Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to the Sofa Cinema Club, episode number 12. I'm Colson Smith, and as always, I'm joined by... Jack P. Shepard. Ben Brokovich. <laughs> the Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together and educate each other on the films that we should have seen, but we haven't. Each week, each of us set a film for the other person to watch, and then we come into the studio and we talk about what we loved, hated, and rated about the film. Now, the beauty of our film club is that anybody can join in. All you have to do is watch along with the films at home and then join us every Thursday to hear what we thought of the film. This week's film has been chosen by you guys, the audience, and it is Erin Brockovich. But before we get into talking about the film, as always, how has your week been? What have you been up to? Jack, have you got something to say now? I do. Eventful, actually. Oh, yeah. hello. Yeah. Here we Quite go. Quite eventful. Weeks. Um, Weeks has had nothing. And now suddenly, everyone else has nothing and he has loads. <laughs> well, I had my birthday dinner. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I think you've milked that a bit, haven't you? Because we did that on the last one, didn't we? I know, but that was the actual day and I didn't know what Hanny had, had, had you know, planned for did us. Did you like what me and Ben had planned? Yeah, uh, um, I needed one of them. Thanks for that. That That's just what you wanted. A video message. Hard to yeah. get. <laughs> uh, and what did Hanny... Hanny, prepare for you. Uh, she got me some aftershave. Oh, I love aftershave, so I've got that. You know, there's that Bridgerton that's out at the minute. Do I? All the girls are going mad for. And Colson. And Col- of course, Colson. Actually, been pissed off today. Ben's had the day off work, and I've not been allowed to watch it because he's been sat here typing away, writing his film. And I'm like, can I? Can I? Um, can you go to your room just so I can have an hour watching my TV show? He got a bit snotty. I said. You got headphones. I'm not watching it headphones. I can't watch it on the iPad. It's a cinema masterpiece. <laughs> I think he gets up to all sorts when he's watching it when I'm not there. So Bridgerton, so yeah, you recreated that. She decorated the house like Bridgerton. <laughs> what? Like Elizabethan England? Well, yeah, like a lot of effort. You know, the 19th, 19th century. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't fucking dressing up. I'm not putting one of them wigs on and tights. Oh, this is the video. This is the <laughs> video that I saw yesterday. Yeah. So was this all for a video? Was it for you? No, she, no, because she, she wanted to. Oh, yeah. Apparently, it was for me. It was for her. Uh, it was so that she could she dress, dress up, up like Bridgerton. 
Oh. And then did you have to talk like Bridgerton all the way through? No, no, no. We no, no, no. I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> what, and what, <laughs> what did you eat? We had uh, nibbly bits like finger sandwiches, you know, um, hams. We had pineapples on table to show how wealthy we are. How <laughs> very Bridgerton. <laughs> did you get the servants to bring it in or? No, no, we just brought it. You didn't have a jewel, none of that? That would have been good, a duel, a fight to the death. <laughs> no, we didn't have a fight. Annie, to I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> she made it all like a winter wonderland. She went foraging in the woods for some um, uh, twigs. <laughs> she got them and then she sprayed them with snow. So your house is now covered in wood lice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she got lights and everything. It looked really pretty. And now this week we're moving house. Oosh. So you've left the twigs, the snails and the wood lice in the house. Yeah. Is it all out the house? Have you done the move? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's all that's all gone. That was all last week. I don't have any clothes now. She's got rid of all my clothes. What do you mean got rid of? Well, you know like you know like when you're moving, hmm. it's it's your opportunity to have a clear out, isn't it? I'm gonna throw a question at you here, Sheppy. Go on. Was this you don't take it all with you when you move, Jack, aimed at you? And actually, she took fucking everything. <laughs> Everything's coming with me, because that's, that's my version of events in our house. I'd say she's got rid of about 90% of her wardrobe. Bloody hell. What? How? Binned? Oh, no, no, like um, ch- charity stuff, do you know what I mean? Those little charity banks yeah. that are about... But you, you Shepherd, I, and... I have to say, you're not known for your, your wardrobe. You're not known yeah. for your no. clothes. No, I'm not. No, so what I'm have you not. got left? A pair of trousers and your Mickey? I've literally got what I've got on. Yeah. And it's just a couple of shit jumpers that shit that I can keep hold of. When you get rid of stuff, you normally, you've probably got too much of it, but you've actually got <laughs> rid of stuff you had, didn't have very much of, which is the essential <laughs> yes. stuff, which are clothes. Yeah. And your big yeah. coat, your new big coat. I've got my new coat. She wanted to get rid of all my jackets. Whoa. Not the leather. The leather jacket. The Gary Barlow. Not... <laughs> she wanted to. <laughs> she She's wanted way to off get... being there. She's lost it. <laughs> she wanted to get rid of that. That's in a museum. You have to wear that. That's you. That's the one with the ripped pocket, isn't it? That's now style. That's the one that's 17 years old. That is you. That's like the Fonz... It's like <laughs> Jackie P with his leather jacket. Well, wow. Yeah. That was close. What did you do? Hide it. I've got it. Yeah, I've yeah got well it. done. Well done. We had to give the meter reading for uh, British Gas as well, you know, because we're moving out. But Hanny had to put on my voice because I want there. And she was trying to give the uh, meter reading, you know, to British Gas. Yeah. And they went, what's, what's the thing? And they went, we need to speak to the account holder. She went, oh, I'm his girlfriend. Does that help? They went, no, 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 no. We need to speak to him. She went, oh, hang on. I'll just go get him. (laughs) (laughs) Are you fucking joking? Are you joking? She went, went, Jack. Hello. It is me, Jack. (laughs) Like that on the phone. And gave the reading in some weird voice pretending to be me. Gave the meter reading, pretending to... You wouldn't have thought espionage would get to that level. Yeah. Okay, there we go. So, gave the meter, and then they just say what the the bill is or something, and then you have to pay it. (laughs) How have you got through so many years? They just say what the bill is or something, and then you've always got the heating on. Yeah. 
It could be it could be well over a quarter of a million pounds. Can you imagine <laughs> if they just said that? I've got to speak to the account holder. Yes, I'll just get him. Hello. Hello. Hi, sir. <laughs> it's up Miss Shepherd. Yes. It's it's two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'll just go and get him. <laughs> oh no, I'll say that. <laughs> wow, busy. It's not easy, this adulthood, is it? Not easy at all. I've just thought of something. Sorry, I've just thought. If you're not available, does that mean Hanny will do the podcast in your voice? Hello, it's Jack P. (laughs) Hello. My rating is 2.1456728. Anybody can do it and it works. Just try it. Next time you speak, any sort of phone bill, whatever it is, just say, hello. (laughs) And it works. Is this the bank? I can't remember my date of birth. No worries. Could I have some money? Yes. Hello. I'm fascinated by that. Hello. Let me just get in. Hello. Sorry. Carry on. Um, last week's ep, Schindler's List, went down really well. Did it? Yeah. yeah. Really well. Obviously, yeah. we said when we recorded it that it was very different for us to do. Um, and it was a tough ep to do, but... Listening back and seeing your guys' reaction really helped us actually to know that you know we we can do that and we can deliver on it. One thing a lot of people were interested in, Ben, um, you touched on your sideline of writing and directing films. Yeah, a lot of people are asking where they can watch them. Ah, okay. So on YouTube, there's another site called Omeletto. It's like omelette, but O. And that's got all of them on. But the the one specifically about Auschwitz was called Hope Dies Last. So if you put Hope Dies Last film, you'll get to it. The one me and Jack did was called Taubman. Jack was very good in that. And then the first one is called I'm Sorry to Tell You. And they're all on that site. But Hope Dies Last was the one about Auschwitz. It really stuck with me, that film. It's really stuck with me, Schindler's List. I think it was a really good one to to pick. You know, sometimes you watch a film and it sort of lives with you for a lot longer than normal films or whatever. So, yeah, so they can watch it like that. Let me know what you think. Guess how many views that film's had? What, Schindler's List? No, not Schindler's List. That's what Schindler's List. 14 million, 444. <laughs> no, my, my, I love that. What, Schindler's List? Hope Dies Last. Yeah. Yeah. 350,000. Amazing that, isn't it? Mm. Amazing. What we will do is we'll put a post out on Instagram and we'll put a few stories up that take you straight to where you can watch the film. So this week's film, Aaron Brockovic. 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 That's a mixture between Britvic (laughs) and Brockovic. Aaron Brockovic. Brockovic. What is it? Aaron Brockovic. Itch. This you've got this week's itch. film. Aaron Brockovich has been chosen by you guys, and that means we're going to welcome one of you guys onto the podcast to do us a, a synopsis. So, all the way from Tesco's car park, <laughs> please. <laughs> well, what live, Natalie. Hi, Sofa Cinema Club. It's Natalie. Thank you for picking me to do your synopsis. Hopefully I won't do a jack and waffle on too long, but I will try my best. (laughs) So, Erin Brockovich follows the story of pretty feisty single mum of three kids, played by Julia Roberts. She's a victim of a hit-and-run car accident. You see that in the opening scene. She goes to court, 
and ultimately she loses. She blames her attorney Ed Masary for this, so convinces Ed to give her a job at his law firm. So while she's working there, she discovers medical records within a real estate file and asks Ed if she can investigate because she's intrigued. He says, yep, go for it. So off she goes and discovers that a huge corporation have contaminated the water in a small town called Hinkley. So she takes on the big boys, basically, and it's just a really good underdog story. I think Julia Roberts is amazing. So I hope you enjoyed and I look forward to hearing your review. Thanks. Thank you, Natalie. Coated me right off. That's a 10 straight off because she... She dug you straight off. Shepherd gone, binned. No yeah. nonsense. Dug me straight out and said, oh, I hope I'm not going to waffle on like Jack. And then waffled on. I, I knew you'd say that. I thought it was very good, Natalie, actually. I think, actually, it was bang on the 60 seconds as well, Jack. She's just You're just annoyed because she's just giving you the left-right good night to the face. <laughs> she sounded... It was, it was informative. It was the story. She was polite. She coated you off. It's a polite. 10 for me. It was a polite. 10 for me. Yeah, 10. Ten. To say she was in Tesco's car park as well sounded great. Sounded all right. I wonder whether we should start doing it from a car Tesco's <laughs> car park. The acoustics were great. I didn't. She didn't sound nervous at all. She sounded actually like she did it every day. <laughs> she did it. Bit. She did it. Bit. Oh God! I can't believe it, love. Oh, here I, we go again. Oh, I've got another synopsis. <laughs> Hi guys. This time it's Sofa Cinema Club. It was a little bit like mine and Ben's video message for Jack's birthday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, my name's Natalie, and I do synopsis for a living. How many do you do? <laughs> Ten to fifteen a day. So, like Natalie said, it is that underdog story. And true. And very true. It is based on a true story, um, not like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. This is a true story that you kind of can relate to. The real Erin Brockovich said it's about 98 to 99% accurate. Yeah. And she's in it, serving the food in that calf. I thought it was weird, because I wondered why she got a massive close-up. And had a name tag that said Julia. So the waitress had a name tag that played uh, Julia, and Julia Roberts is playing her. And here's another one for you. On the shot of Julia Roberts, where she says, my lawyer took me out for a really expensive lunch to celebrate winning, in the back of shot was her actual lawyer that failed the case for her. Good, that, isn't it? Who plays um, Albert Finney's character, yeah. you mean? No, that? actually. Oh. oh, A little bit of the true story versus the film... Ed didn't actually represent her. It was his business partner that represented her. Okay. And then when she went back, obviously the friendship and the relationship worked out with, but in court for the hit and run accident, it, it was a, his like separate business partner, basically. Yes. So let's talk about the film. It, it, it is an underdog story. It is kind of a film that we've seen so many times before. And one thing that I said to Ben about it is there's... A lot of dialogue, but it does a very good job at letting you know. You, you kind of know that it, it's end point, don't you, before the film starts, because you know it's a court case. No. Do you not? I don't think so. See, I think the thing that I found about the film is I knew that the story was going to end when the court case ended. 
What are you? What are you honey, it's, are you being impersonated by someone else now, Coulson? I'm co- completely confused. <laughs> How are you confused? <laughs> How do you know what the film is before it started? <laughs> as soon as she starts investigating the case, yeah, but that's. Midway but that's through, ha- that's, that's that's yeah that's once you're in and you know what's going on. I thought first it was just going to be uh, well I've obviously I've seen the film before, but when it first came out, I thought it was Julia Roberts was in it, so I thought instantly it's going to be like a rom com. She'd done Notting Hill, what else other films? Uh, of course, Pretty Woman. Of course, she'd done that. So I figured it was going to be that type of film. Uh, that's what she was sort of known for. Didn't think it was going to be. Certainly a film where she'd win an Academy Award for. No, I didn't realise she'd won. That scene where she gets hit by a car. Jesus. I mean, I jumped out of my skin, didn't I, Ben? You did, actually. The poof went flying. <laughs> um, it's very good. It gets you into the story very quickly. The director's very good, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Which sounds weirdly like Spielberg. I think he changed his name. He wanted to change it to Steven Spielberg. And they said, that's gone. <laughs> so he went, oh, okay. He was What's looking, left? What's left? Soderbergh? All right, I'll have that. He's a great director. And I think he does very... He engages you very quickly, doesn't he, in that character. You immediately get that story like Jack saying, woman her own, three kids, married twice, fighting the system, but a bit mouthy, loses it at the end. It's very clever, that first court case, because it sets you up... But- out a character really for Julia Roberts I think a bit really yeah would you say maybe yeah. so we've had the initial court case haven't we Coulson where she's been in that accident which she loses yeah and she was banking on winning that court case so she well, blamed as a claim is riddled with debt for medical bills she's got debts with her nanny you know life is not looking good she's got three young kids to three different dads at a difficult age it's a stressful life for her and when she loses that court case, it kind of is breaking point. But she decides that she's going to give it a go and she's going to try and go out and get some jobs. So she's got that scene, hasn't she, the classic where she's going through the paper, going through the news. And that's what it was, wasn't it? I was saying this to Hanny when we was watching it. I went, look at that. Isn't that amazing how it used to be? You had to open the paper on that day. To get a job. And you had to look for rings. You had to, Well, you had to look for things and that make rings and go and do those interviews. And if you didn't get them, you had to wait till the next day until there's, there's something else. I remember looking for flats in London in loot and you had to wait till it came out as printed and you had to wait in the newsagent at six in the morning and it was dead thick and it had all different areas of London and you had to get it straight then and go quick, two bedroom, two bedroom where you wanted to live and ring them up. And then you're right, Jack. If it went, yeah, it went. There wasn't like, oh, refresh. <laughs> it was like, bin. That's yeah. it. You're done. Yeah. Yes. I know what you mean. It was. It's quite weird because it's quite a modern film, but it's pre-internet. But then Hanny said an interesting point. She said she'd actually prefer it in a way because that just is it. There is no choice in a way. Yeah. So you have to get that job and you have to then go and you and you, the decision is already made for you. Oh, yeah. I've got this job, that's it. Yeah. It's not mm, I'll see, I'll see what else comes about or I'll keep I'll see, my I'll see what else is on TikTok and I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, no, there's none of that. Yeah, it's I none know what of you this mean. is it 
or there's nothing. Could you imagine circling David Platt in the newspaper? <laughs> that's that's my job there. I think I'm going to go for that. <laughs> that's me. I, I can do that voice. <laughs> I can do that character. I will plenty David Platt. It's extraordinary. It's like he's in the room. However, it doesn't work out for Erin, does it? Because she doesn't get a job from this. You know, everyone she rings up, they, she's not the type of candidate that they want. Blah, 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 blah. She's heard it all before. So she basically says that she's going to take on the system herself and she turns up to the law firm who lost her case, who she feels owe her because she thought she was going to win and just starts acting like she works there until she catches the eye of Ed, who was her lawyer in the film. And he goes up and there's that scene where, Erin, what are you doing here? And she says, (laughs) I work here. And he's like, no, you don't. And that kind of shows that Erin's character really is, she's ready to take it on, isn't she? You know, she she feels that she's had a rum do with the court case and now she, you know, she wants to give it a go. But he does feel sorry for her, doesn't he? Because it, she starts to cry and says, don't make me beg, doesn't she? Yeah. And he sort of thinks, oh, how can I, how can I make a bet? What? She's got three kids at home. Do you know what I mean? I'll just give her a job if it doesn't work out. And she says, if it doesn't work out, you can fire me. And he reluctantly takes her on and gives her a job. Where's Albert Finney from? London. No. No. Manchester, isn't it? Salford. So you two yeah. both kind of have, you've been in the same room as in met him. We've met him, yeah, we have, yeah. We have met him, we have. Are you, are you going to tell us more? He's, um... Friends with my mum. <laughs> he's dear, yeah, he's dear friends with uh, Helen Worth, who plays mine and Ben's mum on the show. And we were we were at a do, and he was there. He was chatting to him. And, of course, I don't want to talk about any of his films because I, I, I don't know. It's just... A bit cringe. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't, you don't want to be the cringe dear and go, oh, I loved you in, I loved you in this, I loved you in that, or whatever. Do the Aaron Brockovich voice. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the Jack voice. I, I get confused. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. That is a lovely man. Plays a great character in this. The journey that you see his character kind of go on from stubborn old man to old man with quite an open mind who's still got the fight in him. Because Julie Roberts kind of says that to him of, you know, you, you are done now, aren't you? You know, you, you don't want this anymore. And he's got that line where he says to her, if it wasn't for you, I'd be sat in Palm Beach shopping with my feet up, enjoying retirement. But, you know, I've not. So the way that comes about is um, Julia Roberts starts doing this office job and um, she doesn't really know what she's doing and the girls in the office don't really want to help her. Nobody really wants her there. They all kind of feel a little bit sorry for her and she's still balancing this home life in the meantime. And also, we've got to talk about her look. Her look doesn't fit for the law firm. She wears... Prostitute clothes. Yeah, that's what he says. Isn't it? Big heels, short skirts. She's full out there, but she's herself. She's not changing herself. She won't change herself. Because he go. there's that bit where he asks... Why is she not going for lunch with the girls? Yeah, I don't think I'm their kind of girl. And he goes, well, maybe you need to change the way you look. And she says, I'm not changing for anyone. And then has a go about his ties. And I, I really like that about that character, that she maintains her, what she is. Mm. 
all the way through it. But that's very difficult in that law firm, isn't it? Yeah. So nobody in the office is really willing to help her out. So she's kind of working, but not quite knowing what she's doing. And she gets these files, doesn't she? And she can't understand why a claim about buying a house also has a claim about health in it. And she's really confused, but no one wants to, you know, give her any advice. Mm. And she turns around and says to Ed, look, I don't understand this. Do you mind if I go and investigate it some more to try and understand it? So she heads off in a car all the way to the town of Hinkley to speak to the clients to find out what's going on and why they're seeing health benefits for what looks like a house sale claim. And that's when she kind of makes this discovery, isn't it? That the house that her client lives in, they're trying to buy for a reason. And a big firm are trying to buy it and she works out that something isn't quite right. Yes. Yes. But underpinning that at the start is the feeling of single mum, three kids, can't get anyone to look after them. And she meets that guy next door who's the biker and he says, I'll look after your kids. And she doesn't trust him. She's been married twice. So that's sort of an undercurrent to her being able to work. She's never, it's weird. She needs to work, but she can't work because she's got the kids. And is it, what's he called? Aaron Eckhart? Aaron Akar, isn't it? Yeah, from Batman. Uh, from Batman, Two Face. I'll look after. I'll look after the kids. So that once that worry goes, she goes full guns into this investigation. But that's running alongside that she's had a turbulent life, which helps her when she starts this investigation. It helps her to be able to talk to people, identify with people, identify with these people who are mm. not doing very well, who have got bad medical problems. She can relate to She him. relates, yeah. yeah. She relates. She and relates. they like her because she's normal. Yeah. And we see that later on in the film when the other law firm go into it and the people of Hinkley don't like them because they're not Erin and Erin talks to them like a normal human being and she genuinely wants to care and wants to help them out. And I think a big thing about when you see Erin working is she is doing that for a sole reason and that is to, you know look after her family you know she wants the best life for her kids so she's trying to go and get the best job the best money the best wage so that she can give them a, a good life at home sort of thing and it kind of spirals into something she never could have quite imagined doesn't it this case well she gets sacked doesn't she but yeah she goes back to the office and all of her stuff's gone and she says where's my desk and they give her a box and she goes what's going on and she said Ed sacked you She's like, what the fuck? Why have you sacked me? And he's like, you've been gone for 10 days. And she's like, you told me I could go. Mm. And at that kind of moment, I think when she goes back home then to her kids and to the biker, she kind of knows then that this life isn't quite fair. And you kind of get that picture that she really has had a rough do of it all. But she's... Is it Jack? Is that what the biker's called? George. <laughs> is that how he said it? Because that's an amazing... Yeah, George! Wait. It was always I'm being next to him. What's your name? George. Crikey. <laughs> Bloody hell. Can you look after my kids? Yeah. No problem. <laughs> Can you imagine if he spoke like that? would be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so she's got this love story, hasn't she? And then she's gone back 
to her life and she's got sacked by him. Yeah, and she's back to the newspaper circling David yeah. Platt, isn't she? She's looking for that <laughs> next job. With the baby on her lap thinking, oh, this I've... this is grim. And you do, you know, you do fail for her at this point in the film. Yeah. You have a connection with Erin. The thing is, I suppose, is what it does brilliantly, that film, the film at the start is set up is that she's never caught a break. She just doesn't trust anyone. She doesn't trust the biker lad, George. She doesn't trust a boss. She didn't trust anyone. No one's had her back in her life. Or the nanny. The nanny pissed off. Yeah. But she hit one of the... Do you notice she... Very nice bit. She hit one of the kids' arms when, she, when they grabbed her hair. What? She went like that. She went, ugh. It grabbed her hair and she went, ugh. I thought, oh, that's a good bit of Did action. she? Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah, I thought it was a really good bit. She was really pissed off and the baby was leaving. Obviously, the baby didn't know what it's doing. No. And it grabbed her hair and she went, oh, smacked its hand. And you oh, thought, that's oh, good. nasty. Yeah, so she's never caught a break. And then she's circling the jobs. And she gets a knock on the door, doesn't she, from Ed. Yeah. Ed basically says, look, I know I sacked you. How are you doing? Are you all right? Um, and she's got the kid in her hand, doesn't she? And he says a professor has been in touch and says that the readings from the water board could relate to these health issues. And she says, oh, right, thanks. Can I have that? And he's like, why Why do you need to know that? And then she says, well, if you want that information, you're going to have to give him my job back. And he's, you know, he knows that she hasn't wasted 10 days on a jolly. Because that's obviously what he thinks when he sacks her. He thinks she's had 10 days having a barbecue with George, riding Harley Davidson's around America. When really, she's been investigating water samples from the people of Hinkley. So they have that scene where they go in and she kind of take, goes through all her evidence. And he says, look, you know, I, I am going to give you a job back. And she very cleverly negotiates herself a pay rise and benefits. It's a good scene there, isn't yeah, it? She's nice got the baby scene. in her hands. You see a soft softness to Ed that you've not seen before. And you kind of see that he does, you know, he, he does feel for Erin, you know, like he, he likes her and he wants the best for her. And he can see that she's actually been working really fucking hard. Mm. And, you know, he kind of respects that. One, by giving her a job back, which he wrongly took off her. And two, by, you know, paying her accordingly for what she's doing. And he kind of says to her, look, go and have some freedom. Do some more research. Let's see where we get to. Then she's kind of on a solo mission of, one, getting some evidence. Two, getting more names and people. And three, really trying to find out the connection between what is going on with the plant and what is going on with the company that are trying to buy the houses and the water. And she kind of then builds this case and presents it to Ed. And it's that scene where they're in the office and Ed says, do you know what? I think this is too much. I think this is too much because a too small a firm, if I get it wrong, it's going to be all the effort. It's going to liquidate us. It's going to banquet us. Banquet us? It's not going to banquet us. (laughs) Quite the opposite. Oh shit, what happened? I'm I'm banquet. (laughs) Oh my God, what? Bridgerton, yeah. They've just served me with a big meal and finger food. I've had it. We've lost all our money. It's going to be banqueted. It's going to bankrupt us. And, you know, that's the end. I mean, what's what's also important is, as she's investigating, she's going to these houses and finding out how bad this pollution's been, but also what they've got. They've got cancer. The kids are very ill. Some have died. Some have been in hospital for years. And what's very good, and I, I thought... For me, maybe you thought this as well, Jack, is that Julia Roberts did a really good job 
of connecting with them. Yeah. Mm. Very quickly, because I thought, you haven't got much time. <laughs> you haven't got much no. time in the film to get that connection. And she did it. I trust her. Yeah. It, it does a thing that works quite clever, actually, of doing that. From, from that scene in the office where he says, I don't think we can do this. And she talks him into it. It skips nine months in time, doesn't it? And then they're at the barbecue and they really have built quite a case up. You know, they've obviously got every single resident of Hinkley pretty much. Or they've got a good percentage of the people who've been affected up for it. And, you know, they want to fight. And Ed's agreed that, yeah, like, why the hell not? Let's let's give this a good go. You know, we've got a good case here. And, you know, in these nine months, obviously, we just imagine that Aaron's been working extremely hard. But you find out then the connection that she has with people is why she's got such a good case. Because you, is it the Denton family? Is that the first family? I can't remember what they're called, the, you know, the original case. But she introduced her to more people and it kind of grows and grows. And then when they're having the barbecue, she meets someone who used to work in the plant. And because all these people from this town trust her, because she's not a lawyer, because she's not a suit, because she's a normal mum. Well, there's that scene that I think Soderbergh does very well, is when he has to go and sell himself to the family, doesn't he? The first family, and explain how much it's going to cost. 40%. It's quite a lot, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. And he has to go and say, look... No win, no fee. No win, no fee. Well, there's blame, there's a claim. And he needs Julia Roberts... His character, Erin Brockovich, at that point to go, I get you, I hear you. I felt the same as this. But then I realised that he's taking all the risk. That is a crucial scene to get them on board. And then they offer him coffee. And he's doing all the work. He's doing, and he's doing all, and he's the, doing work. all the work. He's doing all the work. And all, and the, all risk. the risk. And then they go, okay. And then they offer him some coffee and some bun cake. And he's about to say no. Because he doesn't want to try it because of the water. Because <laughs> of the water. And she says, have the coffee. And I thought that was a really amazing scene. That summed it all up. Because later on, when that the lawyer for the big firm won't drink the, the water because she says it's from the town, she puts it down. And I thought it's very clever filmmaking. That's a bit of a rum deal, that though, isn't it? In order to get the deal, you have to drink our water. I wouldn't like that deal. <laughs> you know I mean? Yes, but it's it, it's it's cumulative. It's not it's not one one. Yeah, one, I know. Yeah, I know. Ooh, one on. drink. Oh, I feel that a bit. firm made a hundred and thirty-six million dollars. I'd drink more than water. Ed Macy's lawyer firm did. You mean? Yeah. Yeah, because it'd be forty percent, wouldn't it? I turned around to Ben and went, "I mean, it's not like it's a fucking small number, is it? Forty percent." Well, he did say though he mortgage remortgages his house, he uses all his savings, and he might lose his business. That is clear. I think you know that after that nine month gap where he basically says, "Look, I I'm at retirement age, you know, but I've got the fight for this one case." I think it is clear how much is balancing on that. There's that slight bit that like pissed me off because obviously as a viewer or me as a viewer was completely team Erin. So when he brings another firm in, I was a little bit like, oh. I think it's just because it had gone big and he thought he might need some help. He thought he might lose. Yeah. He was whitewashed by that other lawyer, wasn't he? He says, he annihilated me 
And I think he starts to realise, you know, when that kid comes with the first offer. Yeah. Yeah, and says 20 million or something. And he's a kid, isn't he? Yeah. He says 250 grand. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, and he can have him, can't he? Then he starts to realise if this goes into hundreds of millions, they're going to get some people here who can who are going to really have a go at me mm. and mm. may beat me. So I need another... Yeah. You need the bigger boy in the playground yeah. and he gets that big firm. Great scene when the, when the opposite firm come to the office for the first time and there's four of them. And Ed and Erin turn around and go, oh, fuck, like, they look like something out of MI5. Like, yeah. what's going on? And he goes, you, you, come with me. And he makes his secretary in, like, the office Just voice sit down. There. He just makes them sit down. I'd in love the, to do that. The... Wouldn't you love to do that? You'd sit down and just pretend. <laughs> yeah, just pretend. Hello, I'm Jack. Shuffle some, <laughs> shuffle some papers. Hello, about. I'm a lawyer. God, I, this Ooh. voice works for everything. Works it's for extraordinary. <laughs> oh, I'm a doctor. <laughs> it's amazing. I can go around and pretend to be everyone. Yes, they have three lawyers, don't they? And he brings in the girl from the desk and the lad who's been filing giving looks for four. <laughs> <laughs> I liked him. I think he's very good. It's like an extra's best dream, isn't it? Of getting <laughs> like this. We're yeah, we're on. We're in, we're in I've got a scene. Shot. I've got a, a scene with Steven Soderbergh. I'm on. So one thing we haven't actually touched on that much is this relationship at home, which actually at this point is developing into something. You know, Erin, she seems to be quite strong with George until that scene at the barbecue when he says, I'm bored, I don't want to be here, the kids don't want to be here. And she gets home, doesn't she, one night from work. I think it is the night after they realise they've got a chance of really getting somewhere with this. And... He's got his bag packed and he turns to her and he says, look, you've got two options. I go or the job goes, you pick. Mm. And she knows like nobody else how close she is and how much good work she's doing. Because it's not even like, as lawyers go, she's not a lawyer. She's working for people. She's working for people to get justice in what they deserve, you know, that's all she sees it as. She's not chasing a massive paycheck at this point, you know, she's just getting paid what she's doing for doing her job and she cares about the people she's met. So she says to him, look, I can't leave my job, so bye. (laughs) Well, it's about respect, isn't it? And I think that's what you talk about with the character. You start off with this character feeling, no one bats for her, no one believes in her, she has no respect and now she has respect. And people look to her. She says, people, stop me. They want to talk to me. They want to know my opinion. Yeah. And I'm not going to give that up. Not for any man, because every man's let her down. But on the flip side, he he is being really nice, isn't he? He's great with the kids. I know. It's a lot to take on, isn't it? It's a lot. He's banking on these millions here, isn't he? My goodness, he takes I don't on... think he is. I don't think he's got a clue what even her job no, is. No, probably not, Jack. You're right. He just sees that she's quite fit and feisty. And yeah. he's into that. Would you do that? Would you Would you just go and go, oh, don't worry. I'm going to put my bike back in the shed. Stay at home, Dad. I'll, I'll, it's hard. Play cards. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. Because he must do have it. done it for like... So it's at Nearly least a year, a year yeah. by that point, isn't it? The one thing that pisses me off about the film, and it is one of them filmy things, like it has got a transition of time and the kids don't age. <laughs> like it is a bit like, oh. <laughs> does it Does it really change the time? There's the build-up of the film, which is three months, and then it has got on nine months later and the kid's still fucking crawling around. 
You can put up with it. And Ben mentioned then about how she's been let down by another man. You know, when George leaves, she has been let down by another man. As she's like looking after her kids and trying to keep her job going, Ed sees that and Ed does probably the nicest thing that anyone has ever done for her. You know, the mailman comes round and it's a note and it's, Erin, here's five grand, get yourself a nanny, look up and smile. And it's a car and she's got a car key in her hands. And, you know, it is that bit of reassuring her that she is doing the right thing because this is going to look after her and her family in the long run. Mm. And from that point onwards... But he needed her as well, didn't he? He, he? he couldn't do the job on his own if she's just looking after the kids as well. That's a good point, Jack. He absolutely needs her. If she goes, they go. Yeah. They only trust her. She does a very good job, doesn't she, of making herself indispensable. Yeah. Because they don't know the phone numbers because they've got that other bit where the new law firm go, do you know what, what you've been doing, it's a bit cack. You haven't written it all down. Uh, she goes, well, I have. And he goes, well, you don't even know the phone numbers. And then she reels off these phone numbers. Yeah. You're right, Jack. He, it changes, doesn't it? The dynamic changes. A couple of times he tries to sort of sideline her and then realises... Well, yeah, because I think Coulson mentioned it as well. She's not a lawyer. They actually don't need her, really. It's yeah. just she was the one who stumbled upon the case, and it's like, thank you, little darling, we'll take it from yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And she yeah. doesn't Do you know what I mean? ever allow that to happen. Yeah. And then they even try, They try, like Colson said, the, the big wig lawyers try and go and speak to the townspeople, and they don't get anywhere. Yeah. Which is when they have to sort of go back with the toe between the legs and get Erin. And Erin sits in that meeting with Ed, and she goes, Ed, I'm not going to lie to you. They've spoke to me and they're going to change firms because we're liars and we're not giving them what they want to do. It's not being settled the way they want to settle. And Ed's like, right, we have to put this right. We have to get people to sign in. And he holds that big meeting, don't they? And Aaron just stands at the back of the room and kind of watches this. And Ed's lost it. You know, he hasn't he hasn't got the people of Hinkley. They're against him and it's all about how some people want the fight and some people don't. And Ed basically turns around and says, look, this is for the many, not the few, you know, what we're doing. There's a point, isn't there, that where if you settle, you're going to be offered one amount, you are going to get it. If you go to trial, they're going to make sure it takes 15, 20 years. And as he points out... People haven't got that long. Yeah. People haven't got that long. You're probably going to die. And I think it's that point where they realise... It's not just for them. They're as part of a group fighting this. And in the movie, I don't know how true it is to the story, but in the movie at this point, the other law firm have kind of taken a bit of a back step and they're a little bit disinterested because it hasn't gone their way. Where Erin and Ed, they crack on and they get every single person to sign. They need the signatures, but they also need... Do you remember very early on, he says, the company that run the plant aren't linked to the big organisation. And if you don't get that link, we haven't got a case because they'll just bankrupt the plant. They won't bankrupt the business. So that's why that big law firm go, do you know what, actually? We're close, but we're missing that last piece of Lego for the Taj. And if we don't have it, it's going to collapse. The whole everything falls. The whole everything falls down. And then she has that meeting with that creepy lad in the bar 
Have you seen him in other movies? I've seen him in loads, and he's Does always he do the creepy. same thing. <laughs> he's always creepy. Always. He's, do, do you know what? At that time... That was his advert in Hello, the paper. Hello, do you need creepy a creepy actor? actor? Well, look at my Hello, face. Hello, I think I can play the creepy actor. <laughs> he's done loads. I thought you That's definitely it. will have seen him. I will have seen him. You will have seen him. But I, th- I looked at him and thought, ah, I need a creepy actor. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite, quite a thing to know that that's your thing as an actor, isn't stick. it? What do you play? Creepy. Yes, you do. Really well. <laughs> but the creepy actor is the smoking gun that they need. You know, he's the missing piece of the case. He tells them, he says to Erin, look, what if I told you that when I worked in the plant, I was asked to destroy files. And, you know, he says, but what if I told you in a creepy way, I wasn't a very good employee. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And she is going, fucking hell, we've got it. We've got it. We're on to it. They have that scene where she walks into the big wig office. Her and Ed, they're there, they're there, they're retro. Erin's wearing what she wants to wear. And she says, I've heard it's your birthday and have I got a present for you. Every single document signed and here is the information that you need and it's basically a letter that says yes the water has something in it and it has leaked from our tanks but we think it's better the people of the town never find out about this well it's also when they first did it which they said that they don't ever want is it was done in 1962 wasn't it so he's like ooh you've had it there that's years. That's, that's loads years. of people. Years. So loads of people have lived now. there. 40 years. So that's what eventually they knew about it right from the lad didn't line the swimming pools and that water's been leaking out for 40 years. Great line when they said, how the hell did you get this? And she said, sexual favours. <laughs> Just to kind of undermine them because them two didn't respect her. They really didn't. And Ed did. And the fact that they couldn't have got this case as close as they got without her is proven then. But it's also there's that really uncomfortable scene where the the lawyer goes to the family and says, I don't want to know about the emotional parts of your daughter's story. I just need to know the facts. And that was the bit where you realised they're missing the whole point. Yeah. Clever piece of filmmaking because you realised... Erin Brockovich, all she wanted to know was about the family. She could just read the medical stuff when she wanted. They they were baddies, weren't they? They were too corporate. And this was a people's story. This was about small-time America, and they were corporate lawyers. Luckily for Erin, as it gets to court and the court case happens, she's staying in a hotel and she can ring up her old friend, George, on the Harley-Davidson. <laughs> He comes Hello. around to look. <laughs> All right. He comes around to look after the kids <laughs> on his Harley. Potato, 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 potato. Jumps off, looks after the kids, and then she's won. And a weird scene, but actually a really good job of placing it all together was her and George going round to that house opposite the plant in Hinkley with the first ever clients, having that chat, and George gets. He sees it. what she was doing, doesn't he? Yeah. He goes, hold on, two fucking million quid. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. He's in there going, hold on, you've got five million and the whole thing is worth two, four hundred million. How much do I... (laughs) I did say to Ben, I went, oh, fucking money hunter. 
Well, she's not entitled to anything, no, is she? No, no. Which, that is the last scene in the film, isn't it? That's, yeah. you know, that's that's the big Yeah, but I did think of. about that. It's quite a sticky thing. She could have got shafted. 140-odd million gifts. They move firms. They move to that amazing building. Yeah. She gets an office and then, I mean, he could have just turned around and gone, do you know what? He could have given out, yeah. yeah. There's your $250 a she week. She asked half a mil, didn't she? Yeah. And she, she got, got two. Give two. Yeah. Great scene. In fact, I think, he, I think in real life he gave her two and a half. It was the real judge as well. Oh, was it? Good one. So the judge in the court, he came out of retirement to do it for the film. And in real life, didn't they go and take on another case, but it didn't quite work out? Is that right? In real life, George, gorgeous George yeah. on the motorbike, tried suing her, saying that she were having an affair with the lawyer. With Ed? Yeah. Albert Finney? Yeah. But in the end, um, her lawyer was done for exploitation or something. That is fact of the day, Jack P. Shepherd. She got married to him oh, yeah. and she divorced him. George. So that's three divorces. Divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. George didn't sound very nice. No, not in the end. No, money, money went to his head. How many pools have we got? I need another one. Steven Soderbergh, um, when he was making the film, he thought it, w- it was like a Rocky. He felt like he was making Rocky. Yeah, the underdog story. The, yes. Yeah, yes. and what's very clear, a bit like Rocky, which I'm sure we will watch on the podcast, which I liked about it, it's a very defined, clear story. I'm sure there was a bit more about the relationship, but he keeps you on track, doesn't he? Could got a bit bogged down. With the cases, could have got a bit dry. And she does a great job of playing that She character. does a great job. She does a great job. Yes. And, and the dialogue, Ben, the script is very good. It is, you're right, it's very good. And she's, I never really thought of, I never sort of, not, not rated her, but that, she's really fantastic. She carries it. Yeah, she, she takes a step up, definitely. Yeah, and both of them together make a very good... Because he was Porro, which I thought was quite funny. He was quite famously Porro. All but funny. <laughs> Merge on the Orient Express, I thought. That'd be quite funny, wouldn't it? If he just dropped into a bit of Porro. Ah, oh, hello. <laughs> Mid, uh, yeah, the dialogue is excellent. He didn't want to do it. Didn't he? Albert Finney didn't want to do it. It was Danny DeVito, the producer, who had to convince him to do it, saying, I, I don't think he wanted to spend that long in L.A. Oh, uh. And he said, oh, if we put all your scenes together so the schedule won't be that bad and you, you'll only be here for, like, a few weeks, lied to him, basically, and uh, just so that he'd, he'd get him over there. So he was nominated, wasn't he? She won. Yeah, she Danny won. Danny DeVito, yeah. I think, was nominated producer. For, for best film. Best film. Yeah. But Gladiator came out, I think, that same year. Oh, did it? I think it did, 2000. You wouldn't mind Danny DeVito trying to convince you to do a film, would you? Probably wouldn't be the worst person in the world to try and talk you into something. Mm. Come on, Danny, if I have to. But I can see that on the face of it, maybe if you got that film, you go, really? It's a film about people getting poisoned from a water plant? It's tough as well, isn't it? True stories, I guess. Do you know where it came from as well? No. The idea from the film? Because obviously it's a true story. One of the producers who produced the film with Danny DeVito, uh, Michael Schamberg. Uh, his wife... Hello, I'm dodgy- Michael Schamberg. <laughs> no, shut up, shut up. His wife had a dodgy back. Yeah. She was getting a chiropractor. And the chiropractor went, mm, you're never going to guess, one of my clients that comes in here, this woman, 
and basically told the whole story of Aaron Brockovich. So he was a chiropractor for Aaron Brockovich, as well as this Hollywood producer's wife. The Hollywood producer's wife goes home, tells the producer the story, and he goes, that's a great idea for a film. Goes back and speaks to the chiropractor, tries to speak to Aaron Brockovich, comes up with the film. That's very good. Ooh, bit stiff in the back. All from that... From that doctor breaking the bloody rule that you're not allowed to... That's LA. Yes, the doctor. confidentiality. Yeah. yeah, breaking confidentiality. I heard about your story. How? I don't know. I can't <laughs> tell you. <laughs> the chiropractor is busily selling scripts all over LA. Oh, and I heard something else as well. Little gossip. <laughs> Little gossip. Yeah. Hey, do you need a film? Yeah, go to the chiropractor. He's brilliant. He's got loads <laughs> He's of gear. Brilliant. That's so LA though, isn't it? That's so LA. We got Lord of the Rings out of them. <laughs> <laughs> we got Lord of the Rings from the chiropodist. Amazing. I just went in for cracked heels. I came, I came out with Star Wars. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> very funny let's rate it but before we do that let's just take a quick break so ratings go on then jack you can start us off i'll start us off do we always imagine that the audience it's a 10 is that what we say if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Because we never ask. I wonder, we never ask. I wonder, what, and then the next time we do a synopsis, we should also ask Natalie what score they give it. That's an idea, yeah, what score they should give it. We'll put a post out on social media, and underneath you can comment what you would have rated Erin Brockovic. Because she did the synopsis, she needs to rate it, though. But who she? then doesn't get a score? You need to think about this. Oh, no, well, we get a score, obviously. Exactly. Theirs is a guide. Theirs is a guide, and then we give the accurate one. <laughs> Go on then, Joe. It's like it's like a it's like a gas meter reading estimate. And then they get me on the phone. I like that. Hello. And then we go, no. I think you find you, you've got that completely wrong. 7.344. Um, yeah, I think we should find out what they rate it because that would be interesting. And obviously then ignore it and do our own ratings. But I do think it's interesting. Go on then, Jack. Let's have your professional expert film critic rating. Yeah, I watched this with Hannah and she went, it's got to be a 10. And I went, mm, I don't think it's got to be a 10 at all. It's not a 10. And she absolutely loved it. But for me, I I do really like it, actually. I'm going to go... Sp- Ooh, beatboxing. 7, 7.9. <laughs> 7. I'm going to go... A bunch of Gaya. <laughs> 7.9. 7. 7.9. Not an 8. Why not an 8? I don't know. I think it just falls at the last hurdle. For an eight. I don't get emotionally involved in this film and I feel like it's a film that I I should be able to and I could be able to get involved in it. You know, kids dying, all that, you should be able to and I yeah. don't connect with it on that way at all. I think Julie Roberts does a fantastic job. Steven Soderbergh does. Um, Albert Finney does. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's not in the eights category for me but I think it's just under. So yeah, 7.9. Ben? Um, I keep laughing at that voice, Jack says. Um, the best scene in the film for me, which I think is just is beautiful, is when she's on the phone and George is explaining to her that her little daughter's just said her first words and Julia Roberts breaks down while driving. And I thought that was such an incredible scene. It really stuck with me. I thought she was fantastic in it. I agree with Jack. I do agree. It didn't emotionally... I really liked it as a kind of rocky story. Mm. I didn't fully emotionally... I did in Erin. I didn't fully emotionally involve involve myself with the families, I don't think. Probably enough. Mm. Yeah, probably similar to Jack. I don't think it's an 8 for me. I think it's a 7.5. Good. Really good. She's fantastic. But it's not stayed with me. That scene did. That one scene really did. But yeah, I agree with Jack. I think I'm similar number to Ben. I, I, I'm I going to go seven. Um, could have easily been 7.5, but it is a seven. You know, I just, I don't, it's a great film. It's good. I don't think I'm going to rush to watch it again anytime soon. But Oof. if some, but, but, you know, I don't think it is one. I don't think it is one of them films that I'd particularly, not, not right now. I did only watch it last night. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I said to Ben, I found it a bit dialogue heavy, but then I guess that's just me because nobody else did. But yeah, <laughs> it had there words in it, not a lot. Not well, there wasn't any pictures. singging. Was there? There, there was no um, singing and no cartoony parts. No, I just, you know, I appreciate that it, it's a good film. It's well made. It's a brilliant story. 
for me, the story is better than the film. Yes, them two, you know, Julia Roberts and Albert Finney are very, very, very good. But for me, yeah, I'm I'm at that solid seven number. I don't think that's a bad rating. I think it's not a bad right. rating. What's that? Twenty two point four. Yeah. I wonder what Natalie's giving it. Well, she's still in Tesco, so she's in the. Car- <laughs> she's. Go- I think she'll go big on that. By the sounds of it. Yeah, sounds like she enjoyed. I mean, I, I I get it. It's a solid film. It's very empowering. You know, it it is. It's a nice underdog feel good. My favorite underdog films: Dodgeball. Okay. okay. What are we watching Try next? <laughs> As our rating systems and podcasts completely implode. My favourite is Dodgeball. Oh, shit. <laughs> if you can dodge audience. a spanner, you can dodge a ball. As <laughs> the audience go, oh, shit. Uh, so next week, we're watching Dodgeball. No, what are we watching? we're not, actually. So, Ooh. very, very different from me. I've been umming and ahhing about whether to do this for ages. Ages. It's a film I've never seen. Which I think might be breaking. What? And it's your pick. Yeah, I think it might be breaking Sofa Cinema Club rules. I think it slightly does break the podcast rules, doesn't it? But our podcast is all about the films you should have seen, but you haven't. So I'm picking a film that I want to watch that I have never seen, and you two haven't seemed to pick it for me yet. It's not coming up in the audience random generator. Maybe one of us has seen it. I'm fairly sure you both would have seen it. Oh, well then that's fine. Because of my love for a TV show on Netflix at the moment, I want to watch Karate Kid. Oh, wax on, wax off. I've Classic. Never seen it. That's good. Oh, it's good. I oh, it's feel good. like it's a film that I really should see. And you two aren't going to pick it anytime soon. So I thought, why not pick it for myself? Get your bonsai out. We're going to Japan. <laughs> um, we're going to the uh, All Valley. Get your gi on, it's kicking off. Karate yeah. Kid, very good, very good. Very good. Mixing yeah. it up. Um, yeah, so it is available to watch on Netflix. And you can catch us next week where we're talking all things Karate Kid. Um, I'm sure Ben will be talking about his career as a professional judo fighter. I'm going to um, watch it wearing my gi <laughs> and my belt. <laughs> <laughs> my gum shield. Just in case. Hello. <laughs> I'm a judo <laughs> I'm fascinated by that voice. I'm going to try it now. I'm just going to ring up. I'm going to ring up my mum and pretend to be someone else. Hello. <laughs> Let me just get Ben for you. In the meantime, you can keep in touch with us and our journey at Sofa Cinema Club on Twitter and Instagram. But all that is left to say on today's episode is... Good night and God bless. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.